The Outlet. The Talk of Queenstown. Welcome to The Outlet. I'm your host, Brent Harbour. In this podcast, I talk to John Glover. John has put his name forward for the by-election in the Arrowtown Carbido Ward. I'll chat with John about what he sees as some of the challenges, what he's passionate about, and how he thinks council can communicate better. And it's looking to be a great season at Cadrona and Treble Cone. Laura Headley is the General Manager Cadrona and Treble Cone Experience and will tell us how they plan to make your experience on the slopes much better this year. But first, let's catch up with Paul from the Queenstown app for local news. The Outlet, local news. Hi, Paul. Hi, Brent. Good to be here again for the second episode of The Outlet. Sounds like you've got some interesting interviews lined up this week. Yeah, so I had a good chat with John Glover, who's put his name forward again for the Arrowtown Carbido Ward by-election. We talked through some of the challenges he sees for the region and how he thinks the council could communicate things a wee bit better. Also, Laura from Cadrona and Treble Cone, they're making a few changes with capacity on the mountain this season, so we'll have a look at that. What else is going on in Queenstown this week? Oh, well, it's been an interesting one. We had what was widely reported as the district's first ram raid, um, or I should say alleged ram raid, as someone's been arrested, charged and is yet to appear in court. Last Friday night, about 11.45pm, a small white Honda reversed into the BNZ Bank on Camp Street three times, smashing the glass front of the business to the surprise of everyone in the nearby McDonald's and the bars as well. The drivers then sped off empty-handed as the police approached on foot. Police eventually put out road spikes to stop the car on State Highway 6 towards Kingston, and a 52-year-old man was arrested on charges of willful damage intentional damage and also possessing an offensive weapon. He's been remanded in custody and he's due to appear in in the Cargill District Court on the 30th of March. There's no charge of attempted burglary, which you perhaps expect for a ram raid, uh, although he has been remanded in custody rather than granted bail. So we'll see what the story is around that when he appears in court. Then we've also had one of Queenstown's top tourism bosses resign. Stephen England Hall was CEO of Real NZ. That's a company that's grown out of Real Journeys, which operates Queenstown's iconic TSS Ernstlaw steamship. It now has a stable of businesses, including Real Journeys, Cardrona Alpine Resort, who you've been talking to, Treble Cone, Jet Boats, Whitewater Rafting, Milford Sound Cruises, uh, and also the Christchurch International Antarctic Centre. Stephen England Hall, of course, was the former chief executive of Tourism New Zealand. Uh, he rocked up in about February 2021, uh, back when Real NZ was called Wayfair. So they're like a rebrand then? Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, he's actually overseen the rebrand and also the remodelling of the company. They've undergone a massive capital raise in March, tens of millions of dollars. I believe it was one of the biggest capital raises for a New Zealand tourism firm, with uh, money's coming from Milford Asset Management, Zero founder Rod Drury, John T. Edgar, Martin Dippy, and Brendan Lindsay. Dippy is now the board chairman. He replaced former Queenstown Mayor Jim Bolt and he announced on Monday he'd accepted England Hall's resignation. Uh, he plans to return to Auckland where his family lives. So we're just waiting to see who replaces him. What else is going on, Paul? Uh, I think the other major thing is the BP roundabout is going to close for three nights next week from 10pm to 6am. It's probably Queenstown's busiest junction. It's part of State Highway 6 and it's being upgraded as part of Queenstown's $115 million NZ upgrade programme. So Waka Katai and the contractors want to find out what's under the ground before they commit to the final designs. 
It's used by about 25,000 vehicles a day. With the work being at night, the disruption will probably be kept to a minimum and there's an easy detour. But when the junction is actually dug up to be remodeled, it's likely just going to be an absolute nightmare for traffic. Then also on the app, we have another of Sufi's great My Life stories. This week, it's local jet boat legend Bill Cook. And next week, she's spoken to fourth Dan karate black belt Craig McLaughlin. She's also written a lovely piece on the Queenstown Gardens gardener Nick Leaf. He passed away in 2019, aged 91. And this coming Tuesday, March 21st, his family um, are going to gather for the unveiling of a special wood nine sculpture that's been commissioned by Queenstown Lake District Council uh, in his honour for his work making the gardens what they are. Uh, And then we also have all the great um, Lakes Weekly Bulletin Arts and Culture content from Jessica Allen. All the usual local and national content. Thanks, Paul. And you can find these local stories and more on your Queenstown app. Local news, sport and information. The Outlet. The Queenstown Mountain Bike Club want you to grab your bike and join them each week for their Wednesday night digs. Now the crew meets at Wynyard Corner before pedalling up to the project they are currently working on. All the details are available by pressing the What's On button on your Queenstown app and then events. John Glover has put his name forward for the by-election in the Arrowtown Carbido Ward. I caught up with him to find out what he's passionate about and how he thinks council can communicate better. Now, you're a director of Kinlock Lodge, chair of the Glenorchy Community Association. You're on the board of Shaping Our Future. So can you tell me what drives you to put your name forward for a by-election? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much um, uh, embedded in community empowerment. That's what my motivation is. That's what I want to do. About 18 months ago, I stepped away from hands-on work at Kinlock Lodge. My passion has always been working across community, and I'm just really lucky now that I've got the opportunity to make uh, that my life. So what are some of the challenges you see that you're really passionate about? So I see a lot happening for business in the district. I see a lot happening for tourism in the, in the district. I don't see a lot happening for our communities. And I think there's, um, there's a real danger that... Uh, The things that matter a lot to everyday people are going to be squeezed out in the future. And it's very important that somebody who can carry those aspirations into the council chamber and make a really good case for why they should happen. What are some of the key problems you think businesses face when they're trying to implement sustainable practices? So often it can be cash flow. Uh, Although at the moment, everyone's uh, regenerating their bank account post-COVID. So there's a lot of things happening. The banks are sort of, um, they've been quite risk adverse for lending. The irony is that a lot of the sustainability benefits that businesses can capture also improve efficiency and and running, reduce running costs. So, um, you know, you can spend money to save money and also have a huge environmental benefit. But actually getting the banks on on board for that is not always easy. From a personal perspective, I've managed to get two, like my my wife has managed to organise two green home loans for us to make uh, improvements for putting solar energy and batteries and bits and pieces around our place. So it is possible, it's not easy. And I think a lot of people are still within the business sector. You know, what's worth doing, what's not worth doing, what's going to make a difference? Is is there a lot of snake oil salesmen out there? And uh, working out where to spend the money. So you're into regenerative tourism, aren't you? And you like long-term plans, yeah, because oftentimes we do think short-term, don't we? We, we, we do, and classic examples of short-termism is the tension around getting rid of wilding pines 
uh, or, or colourful backdrops to our, our hill uh, and planting with native. And it's a generational thing, it's a multi-generational thing is all they have, but we, we focus on the short-term change that, that we see today. And that's very much the nature of our instant gratification that we live in, that you haven't replied to my text from 30 seconds ago. Do we process and look at the long-term picture? Probably not. And in terms of regenerative tourism, you know, we know as a sector, we will have achieved it when there will be an outcry from the community if we stop doing what we were doing. So, and there's a lot of businesses that they stop doing what they were doing, nobody would care. And I, and I think if we, if we, if the tourism sector becomes so important to supporting the districts and the communities that there's an outcry if they stop doing it, then that's probably when when you've achieved the uh, the, the end result. You have a lot of seasonal workers and transient workers too, and you and you're concerned about their well-being, aren't you? So I think it's a really hard thing. Queenstown traditionally had a big churn of people here for two or three months, and, and a lot of business models have been uh, dependent on an endless supply of, of backpackers and of course a lot of pigeons have come home to roost. And there's more pigeons coming home to roost because we've got a worldwide labour shortage. A lot of people have left the workforce, they've decided they don't need to or people have, have moved on or the baby boomers are retiring, how dare they? So you know, business models that depended on a lot of low-skilled transient workers or just depended on a lot of workers there's going to be some super challenges and that, that will work its way through. So what are your plans to, to make sure that everything in council is communicated well to the community? So I think transparency is really important. I think there's potentially quite a defensive mindset in council. How you have discussions about taking things forward without people feeling that there's blame. I think mean, that's really fundamental. You know, council is where it is. You know, we have projects that are dogs in all walks of life. We have situations, we have relationships that don't work. You know, we can spend a lot of time, he said, she said, or you should. The important thing is that we learn, okay? That we own a problem. If we've got a dog, we own the dog. And how do we make the best thing? You know, what's the best result? How can we do that and turn it from a negative conversation to a positive, aspirational, better outcome. And I think that's the most important thing to do. And if, if we can achieve that, then, you know, a lot more will get done. People feel happier. There'll be a better place to work. There'll be better staff retention and there'll be trust. And I think that's the most important thing that, um, you know, the, the, the staff are there to, to say to councillors, this is how we can help. We understand what you want. We understand your vision. Uh, we understand your direction. And this is how we can help. And I don't think that's there now. John, some people think that if you live in Glen Orkey, how, how can you work in Arrowtown? Or how can you be in the ward for Arrowtown? So, I mean, the, the, the main thing to point out is for the last 18 months, I've been based at Frankton at the five miles, dangerously close to Pack and Save. And I can see all of the wards around me, the backdrop to the hills from the house here. I'm really close. I'm very close to council offices. I'm really close to the shot over country lane here to stay at Arthur's Point. So, and I think that's really important that, that I am accessible. And importantly, you know, if I didn't think I could do the job and represent the ward, I, I wouldn't have stood. Well, thanks for having a chat today, John, and all the very best for the by-election. Yeah, thanks so much. It's going to be a, a good few weeks, and whoever is fortunate enough to get, get elected will deserve to be there. 
The Outlet, Jobs Board. Let's have a look at some of the jobs advertised this week on the Queenstown app. Queenstown chipmunks are looking for an all-round hospitality superstar for their indoor playground and cafe. They are wanting someone who is enthusiastic, has initiative and can work independently as well as in a team. The Hills Golf Arrowtown are seeking someone who is almost qualified, just recently qualified or has over one year experience as a greenkeeper to join their amazing existing team. Queenstown Eyesight need an experienced travel sales consultant who can provide exceptional customer service and help people discover the beauty of Queenstown. And Limousine Services Queenstown are looking for an operations coordinator to be part of creating outstanding experience for visitors from around the world. You can find and apply for these jobs and more by pressing the Job Fix button on your Queenstown app. The Outlet. The Talk of Queenstown. The Creative Queenstown Arts and Crafts Market is on every Saturday 9.30 to 3.30 on the lakefront at Earnslaw Park. Now the market melds visual and performing arts together with many artists and crafters coming in from around the South Island. All the details are available by pressing the What's On button on your Queenstown app and then events. Laura Headley is the General Manager Cadrona and Treble Cone Experience. The way they operate the ski fields will be different this year, so I caught up with Laura to talk through the changes. Laura, welcome to the outlet. Now, you're making a change this year with capacity limits. What brought about the change? Yeah, well, uh, last year and actually over the last few years, it's been pretty busy, up at Cadrona especially, and when it's that busy, we haven't been able to deliver to our guests the way that we want to. So what we're doing is we're making sure that we, we know what's, what number is a good number. And if we limit that amount, then everyone who comes up on those days will have a great time. And that's not saying that there isn't capacity out, outside of those times. So hopefully what we can do is just move people around a little bit and, uh, and then everyone has a great time up the hill. You're not making less passes available, are you? So not with the season pass and early bird multi-days. We're selling the same amount we did last year. But when it comes to being in season, we will limit the amount of passes that we sell on any given day. So numbers-wise, how many people are you trying to reduce on the mountain at any one time? Uh, So if you think about the last couple of years, um, with all of our lifts open, on those really peak days, we'll have about a 1,000 less people on the hill. It's a bit of a big change, really, isn't it, for you guys? Yeah, it's pretty massive, and it's the first time it's been done in New Zealand. It's pretty common overseas, but we just looked at the last few years, we listened to the feedback from our guests, and we went, we've got to do better so that, you know, when you're up there, you have a good time. I I think the locals will be happy about this, won't they? Hopefully, yeah. And, you know, we're not going to get it right every time. We're definitely not perfect in that sense. But what we aim to do is just keep listening to that feedback and adjusting where we can. So how's the season looking for you? I mean, tourism is really making a massive comeback right around the country. So are you expecting a bumper season this year? I, I think I guess the crazy thing about ski is that even during COVID, People still came out to the mountains. It was one of those things that you do with your family and it's outdoors and I think it was a a really good thing to be able to do during COVID. So we saw it continually busy over that period, which was very different to the rest of the tourism businesses. We've seen some really good sales so far on our season passes and our multi-days and so I think the demand's still there. And uh, with the borders being open in time this year and ahead of May and June, yeah, we're definitely seeing some interest from overseas again, which is going to be interesting. So if people want to take advantage of getting these new passes, where's the best place to get them, Laura? Jump online. So everything that we have, all of our information, it's at cadrona.com. 
and you know that tells you exactly what passes are there, what's available, the price of them and how they'll work this year. So the ones that we're selling at the moment are the most flexible passes you can get. So the season pass and the early bird multi-day is pretty much you can go up, you can ski any day you want in the season. Um, the early bird multi-day just has the blackout over the school holiday period but other than that you don't have to book your days or your times or your mountains, they're really flexible. And then once we get into the season definitely want people to look into the website to make sure that there's space on the day coming up if you if you need to buy a day pass because they'll be date specific once we get into the season everything's online local news sport and information the outlet thanks for listening to the outlet the outlet is produced and published by the queenstown app and supported with funding from the new zealand public interest journalism fund the outlet is available on the outlet button on your queenstown app and wherever you get your podcasts